Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Okay, thanks a lot. So, I'm guaranteed to be a disappointment after that build-up, but I'll do my best with God's help. So, um, I, uh, I was chatting to Aaron, and I am so delighted at last to be at the Vine Church. I've heard so much about you. I'm a huge fan of the Dowd's dynasty, and uh, we've been, oh, you know, so many different places in the world. We've uh, rubbed shoulders this amazing family, and now to visit this church, what a thrill! I asked Aaron if we could just share a little bit about uh, the message and even ask you to stand with us as we try and grow this work across Scotland particularly. Um, so I'm going to show a little video that will put lots of what I've got to say in context. I want to talk about the, today the calling of the first disciples from John chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible or some electronic thing with the Bible on, have a look at that, John chapter 1 in a moment. Um, the, the, the gospel is incredibly powerful. It's good enough to change a nation in a day. It can do it. It's been doing it for 2,000 years. It can do it in Scotland still. Nothing wrong with the gospel. The slightly frustrating thing is that God's decided he's going to impart his gospel, share his gospel through ordinary, frail, inconsistent people like me and you. But when the power of the gospel starts to get demonstrated truly through dead, ordinary people, amazing things happen and uh, you might wonder why what was Jesus even thinking of calling those ordinary guys way back you know those frail inconsistent messed up ordinary you know the Pharisees called them unschooled uneducated ordinary men and they were you know in the natural they had nothing going for them and yet Jesus got hold of them and he utterly changed the world and as a result we're here 2,000 years later and about Two billion people are meeting this morning to worship him around the world. Gospel's lost none of its power. We just need to get a little bit more excited and a little bit more available with this gospel and anything could happen. Can I pray that could happen this morning? Lord, I pray in this church people will get passionate for your gospel in a fresh way, fresh sense of excitement, fresh sense of urgency. Thank you that the gospel works. There is no human heart that is too hard for your gospel to transform it. Thank you that there's no community that's too hard, no city or no nation. Thank you that it's powerful and amazing and glorious, that you really did die for us, you really did rise again, and you really are here this morning by your Spirit. I pray every one of us will know it and respond to it for your glory. Amen. Okay, so come on, let's do this thing. I want to show you a video uh, which puts a little bit of what's happened with the message. We, we've been journeying as a charity for 25 years. Uh, five years before that, we started to do some stuff out of our business. Didn't really know what we're doing, me and my brother, and yet God's been so kind and the message has grown. Uh, initially in Manchester for the first 15 plus years and then we started to roll out across England and Wales and now Scotland and a whole bunch of other nations around the world. So anyway, I'll show you this video that I made with my colleague Carl Beach. Some of you may be familiar with Carl. Carl's my very much right-hand man who's partnering closely with his church to try and get some stuff going here in Dunfermline as well. So watch this video and then I'll tell you how you could help. Okay.
For more than a quarter century, the Message Trust has been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ through words and actions in our toughest communities, both here in the UK and beyond. We do three things, Christ-centred enterprise, community transformation and creative mission. But what ties all of this together is that we are passionate about seeing lives transformed by the Gospel. One of the young people we met in school was a girl called Emily. When we met Emily and her friends, they were at serious risk of exclusion. They'd given up on school, and yet our team Brightline came in and shared the good news of Jesus with them. They all chose to put their trust in Christ, and Emily is now spending a year on our academy course, being trained to share the good news with those around her. Louis's upbringing was extremely challenging. His parents' fractured relationship took a toll on his life from an early age. And by the time he left school, he was suffering from serious anxiety and depression. He'd all but given up on life. And through meeting one of our Eden teams in his local community, he encountered Jesus and saw his life shift dramatically. Now, he's working as a therapeutic care support worker while training to be a nurse. And not only was his own life transformed by Jesus, but he's going on to see more lives transformed too. And Ruth's life was marked by alcohol, abuse and crime. Yet while in prison, she was led to Christ by one of our team and saw her life restored. She started to work in one of our enterprise businesses on day release. And when she was finally released, joined our team full time. She now regularly visits the prison where she served her sentence to share about Jesus and show the change he's made in her life. This is just three of many thousands of stories. And it's these thousands of stories that we get to hear day in, day out as our work is propelled across the UK and beyond. We've now got teams in hub locations delivering this great stuff all across the UK and internationally in South Africa, Canada and Germany with many more nations to come. Our work is growing more than ever before and more than ever before we need you. Why not join us if you're 18 to 25? Why not come on our academy and spend a year on the cutting edge of mission on the front foot of God's purposes for your life, learning how to proclaim the gospel boldly, or consider joining one of our Eden teams and living sacrificially in one of the most deprived communities. please pray for us. Do sign up for our prayer letter either by post or via email and would you consider standing with us financially? Could you sign up a regular gift today to help us develop this work both here in the UK and beyond? Visit our website message.org.uk or join us on social media. Thank you so much. All right, so that's the message. Trust. We're, uh, we're growing faster than ever. We have over 100 staff working hard in Manchester, but now we're launching hub locations all over the UK and, as you saw, internationally. And we're determined to really see the full package rolled out here in Scotland. Already we have three Eden teams. Uh, Eden teams are people who chose to live deliberately in the most deprived communities. And uh, on our, our wall, the message... Uh, they didn't ask me, they just put it up basically, but I was excited it was there. Uh, this arrived uh, about two weeks ago. Could we just show that slide? Um, and this uh, outside near the Eden office uh, headquarters, uh, these are the names of 623 people over the last 20 years who've made the sacrificial 
downwardly mobile move to live in some of our most deprived communities. How amazing is that? And uh, my friend Sam Ward did a little calculation. And he worked out that if we build the government for their work at minimum wage, not social worker or youth worker wage, if we build them at minimum wage, that would be a £3.3 billion bill we'd be sending them. Just poured out in these deprived communities. It's over 3,000 years of youth work that they deliver uh, for free because they love Jesus. And everywhere we, there's an Eden team, we're seeing church grow and community transformed in places that were previously spiritual wasteland. Uh, Tim Cheshire, Tim, stand up Tim, it's a bit dark, but there he is. Tim Cheshire heads up the work here in Scotland. And um, Tim has a vision to see 10 Eden teams by 2020. Uh, with well over 100 people living in these deprived communities across Scotland. What a beautiful thing. Maybe you could even consider being one of those courageous workers. Um, Tim will be at the back at the end. Uh, we need people who will pray for us. Scotland's been hard, to be honest. Hard to get going, but we're not giving up. We've not only got three Eden teams, we've got a bus now, a high-tech youth bus that travels around deprived communities and we're seeing kids come to Christ week in, week out. We've got schools work, we've got a vision for an academy to train up, you saw a little bit of academy there, right here in Dunfermline, train up youth workers to work in this community but to be sent out all over the world and schools work with Alco and Miriam and much, much more. It's only going to happen if you pray if you'll stand with us, if you're prepared to pray, especially if you know how to pray, if you feel a calling to pray, would you see, Tim, we need people like you. You're our greatest resource. Yes, you could consider volunteering on one of our teams, or you could consider, inevitably, we need people who regularly support the work in Scotland. And um, the key thing for the message is partnership. Everything we do is partnership. I say to our team, your first thought must be partnership. Don't just come up with a good idea and then flap around trying to find a partner when it doesn't work. Partner, and our key partnership is local churches and local Christians. And, uh, you know, I, whenever I go, I have to ask for people to stand with us because we need millions of pounds for our vision in Scotland over the next 10 years. We need millions of pounds for Scotland. And it'll come, unlikely to come through one big sugar daddy. If you are that person, come and see me afterwards. It's much more likely to come through thousands of local Christians who give sacrificially. Not even equal amounts, but get it. And so we thought about partnership. And we bring up, make all these, well, I think they're fantastic anyway, resources to equip churches in mission. And so rather than just say, come on, sign up a regular form, we'd like to say, if you're able to do that, any amount today, it's not about the amount, it's about partnership. We'd love to give you a whole bunch of resources that I think would bless you. Uh, I wrote these two books in the last uh, few years. For four years at The Message, I was journeying through the book of Isaiah. And what an amazing book that is. And alongside uh, these two books, the first one's called Here I Am, Send Me. The second one's, which is the first half of Isaiah, I wrote after two years. And then two years later, I wrote Here I Am, Seek Me. Alongside these, this teaching is amazing God-only stories. Incredible testimonies who, whose people's lives have been changed. We'll also love to give you this, which I'm so proud of this book because I didn't write it. It was written by Sam Ward who heads up Eden. And it's a story of those 623 people, all the adventures they've had, uh, trying to reach people in our most deprived communities in the UK and some wonderful stories. You'll also get this. You probably hate this if you're over about the age of 25. But... Uh, this is our R&B hip-hop band called Vital Signs who make hardcore music to go into prisons and tough communities. And they just released this CD and they entered a competition 
uh, Nick Shalavi, who fronts the band, uh, enter this competition in the States. It's a, a website called Anno Domini, which you may have seen. All these big international producers like Snoop Dogg. This website gets tens of millions of hits from young people. And, uh, but it's actually pretty hardcore. It is misogynistic, violent, gangster lyrics from all these bands. And every year they have an international competition uh, for the best new rap hip-hop song. Nick decided to put his song in there, which is basically his testimony. It's called My Story. And it's a powerful, full-on Jesus testimony. Alongside all this heavy, heavy stuff, Nick entered the competition. Guess what? couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, he won the whole competition. And, um, and with it, all sorts of prizes about all these amazing beats, which I don't understand, and opportunities to work with producers. But to keep the gospel center, and that's there, and you can give that away to a young person. But the best thing in this pack is actually this. Over the last 20 years of the message, we've had some amazing people pass through. So privileged to have people like Lewis Palau and Brother Andrew and Danielle Strickland and some of the world's top communicators sharing us and charges in our vision. So in this little thing is a pen drive with a hundred of the best talks from the last 10 years. We'd love to give you that as a gift, as a partner thing to fuel you in your, your mission. You know, multiply it, share it with your friends, make CDs, listen to it in your car and see if you're not blessed. So all that is for people who say any amount, I can stand with a message regularly. Because regular supports the lifeblood and everything you're able, if you're able to do anything, everything will stay in Scotland and help you to fuel the work as we try and grow the work across Scotland. So Tim and Alco will be at the back there with a whole bunch of these boxes that if you're able to do that, what a blessing that would be. Okay. Um, I, uh, I said I want to talk out of uh, John chapter 1, the, the calling of the first disciples. I, I love these scriptures, so let me just read a few verses. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those who heard what John had said and who'd followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that's the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael appearing, he said to him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I discovered a, 
a little while ago, somebody did some research about, you know, these early disciples, these first few disciples that Jesus called and invested himself in. And apparently they believe that when they were called, these young men, because they were young men, were between 14 and 22 years of age. You know, we see the picture of like St. Peter in the stained glass window. Imagine he's, you know, with his long grey beard. Imagine they're all old blokes. No, they weren't. When Jesus decided, I'm going to change the world and I'm going to gather around myself, he decided to form a youth group and a bunch of young adults. And actually, pretty much ever since, that's what's happened. If you look at all the major moves of God since Jesus, young people have always been at the fore. The poor and the marginalized and the broken have always been at the fore. Actually, it spills out and we all get blessed, don't worry. But Jesus so often starts with the youth and the poor, the people who others say, oh, they could never do it. But of course they can do it when Jesus gets hold of them. And what a ragbag youth group it was that Jesus formed that day 2,000 years ago as he decided, I'm not going to do it on my own. Of course, Jesus could do it on his own if he wanted to. He's the Lord of glory, but his great joy, his great delight is to partner with ordinary people like us. And as a result, he gets great glory. When blokes and girls like me and you start to do things we could never do on our own, and when we start to see impact we could never see on our own, how much glory does Jesus get out of that, don't you think? So that's what's happening here 2,000 years ago. See, in Jesus' day, rabbis were everywhere. It's a religious society. And there were religious leaders everywhere. And literally, the rabbis' followers would walk in their footsteps. You would see rabbis walking and trailing behind them were their disciples, their followers, literally walking in their footsteps. Everyone would know this. And the rabbis would headhunt the smartest, most talented young men to be their disciples. And yet Jesus did something very different, didn't he? He went out and he sought very frail, inconsistent, ordinary blokes and set them on fire. And in fact, interestingly, the first two he chose were someone else's disciples. You know, John the Baptist had a a little different twist on discipleship as well. well. John the Baptist seemed to be willing to take a few more risks than the average Pharisee, the average religious leader. And so he had two guys who were his disciples called Andrew and Simon. And Jesus sharked in and nicked two of John the Baptist's best disciples. A bit rude, really. Sort of thing nowadays that winds up some religious leaders. But don't you think that was a lovely picture going on here? I thought, my talk is so getting set up here as Alco and Miriam are sent to Dunfermline as soon as possible to hit the ground running on mission. And this church in the Netherlands is going, go on Dunfermline, have two of our best. Don't you think that's a beautiful thing? It's something that often the church hasn't been good at. But it's a lovely picture. And part of the reason I think that Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest man who's ever lived thus far was because he was just willing to do whatever it took to see the kingdom advance he actually said he must become greater i must become less and so jesus saw something in this guy that just lit him up first disciple jesus called was a young man called andrew and andrew 
was a behind-the-scenes guy. He wasn't the big preacher in the Bible. That was his brother, because the first thing Andrew did was to go and tell his brother. I wonder if Andrew thought, Simon's got a big mouth. I bet he could be great. I bet he could spread the word. I'm not naturally. Simon was just a guy. Who, Andrew was just a guy, rather, just like to go around and tell others about Jesus. He wasn't the big platform evangelist. That was Andrew, his brother. That was, that was Simon, his brother. Let's get this right, friends. Andrew was the guy who loved to gossip the gospel. Andrew's the guy, whatever you find him in the New Testament, he's always inviting somebody else along. I went out a couple of years ago to preach at a church in Melbourne, Australia. And um, about six months ago, I got an email that just blessed my heart from the pastor, a guy called Tommy. And Tommy emailed me and he said, I just want you to show you this graph that I've just shared with my church. And he'd done this whole graph, and um, not that graph. He said, I want to share with you this graph that I've shared with my whole church. And uh, he said at the, at the top right corner was a name called Jack Wang. And he said, because you might remember Jack Wang. And I'm like, actually, I do. I remember that Cantonese guy came up at the end of the service and gave his, his life to the Lord, and his wife was there. And he could only speak a little bit of English. And I translated as we prayed with this guy, and he gave his life to Jesus. And his, his wife, who the week before was a former Buddhist and a very broken woman. She'd come to Jesus, so she brought her husband along the following week to church, and I was preaching, and we led Jack to the Lord together. You may remember Jack coming to the Lord. Well, this graph went, the following week, he led his six daughters to the Lord. The following week, his auntie and uncle. And there were 36 names of all his family members who Jack had led to Christ. Then he went over to back to China and all the people from his family, all the distant relatives who he'd led to the Lord, this one man who'd got it. And all it takes for the whole world to be saved double quick is more people to do a Jack Wang. More people not just to get it for themselves but to share it with others. And I've got a feeling that the reason Andrew was the first disciple who was called into Jesus' service was because he was willing to gossip the gospel. He was willing to share the gospel with others. He was willing to invite people under the sound of the gospel. You wonder how many people, the great, you know, when the thousands gathered to hear Peter, his brother, bring these amazing messages, how many of them were invited along by Andrew? He was just the absolute bedrock of the Christian faith. Somebody, if somebody in this church could get lit up with, maybe I'm not going to be preaching next week. Maybe I'm not going to be preaching on this platform anytime in the next 10 years. But I can do it, Andrew. I can invite my friends. I can share Jesus. I can love them into the kingdom. I can multiply this thing in my family and in my community. And as a result, I promise you, Dunfermline will be set on fire. Seriously, that's what we're talking about here. You can do this thing because it's what Jesus loves to do. Take very ordinary people like us who just love Jesus and have refused to keep quiet about it and through that he changes the world. And of course the second person who was called, the second disciple was Simon. Jesus immediately nicknamed him Rocky. He said on this rock later on in his life, I'm going to build my church. I love that so much because Simon was a hot-headed, loud-mouthed, impetuous man, but he had a big heart. As soon as he heard about Jesus, he was up for it. When Jesus saw 
Simon on the streets of Galilee, what he saw in him was potential. He said, I can see you. I'm going to change your name to Peter the Rock. I can just see something in you, something of leadership, something of the evangelist, something of the visionary, something of the pioneer, something about I'm willing to sacrifice anything for Christ. You may be up and down. You may do some stupid things. Yeah, and probably can see all that as well. But I see enormous potential in you. And our job as leaders, if you've got any leadership responsibility in this church, your job's to do the same. I love to think the message trust at its best is, is a, a movement that sees potential where others don't. People like these two. Let me just show you that picture. Have you got that picture of that Nick and Andrea? Yeah, there you go. Slightly younger Andy Hawthorne with a bit more hair. But that guy, yeah, that guy is called Nick and he's in that band, Vital Signs, who won the award and he, he, he's an incredible evangelist. He's literally winning thousands of men particularly men, but men and women, in the toughest communities, in prisons, in, in special schools, in all kinds of tough communities. He's winning thousands to Jesus. He's one of our most fruitful evangelists. But I had to journey with Nick for 10 years. 10 years. He must have heard me preach the gospel about 50 times. And every time he'd sit at the back, often high on drugs, and he wouldn't respond. And I'd do these super long appeals. There may be one more person who needs to give their life to Christ. And he didn't do it. And we had this connection, me and Nick, where the connection meant that actually he went further and further away from Jesus. He'd always come and hear me preach if I invited him. And yet he got into violence and drugs and addiction and then dealing and his life was in this terrible spiral. And then annoyingly some Nigerian preacher came to Manchester preached the gospel and he gave his life to Christ. Can you believe it? And he came to see me the following morning. And he said, Andy, I've done it. I've finally done it. And I know I've got to start again. He said, I'll do anything. I'll clean toilets and I don't want paying, he said. I remember him saying those words. I just need to be in this community, in this family called a message. And so I put him on our academy program. <laughs> and it was a bit of a risk because he was still living with his girlfriend and he'd sort of down, downscaled his, his, his drug use to marijuana at this stage and thought it was a mighty discipleship step. But bit by bit, we saw God work in Nick's life and a precious thing. And his wife, Andrea, who's next to him there, she was also a very, very broken, addicted, hurting girl. And they, their, their relationship was very violent. They had a little girl called Alexis and uh, it was a mess, really. And, then, and yet one of our team took Andrea out to Uganda and in Uganda, she saw the Spirit of the Lord move in power. And in Uganda, she gave her life to Christ. And uh, uh, she had the two conversions that everybody needs. Conversion to Jesus and a conversion to the poor. And she just, uh, she came back completely transformed. And now, Andrea leads a ministry that sponsors hundreds of kids in Uganda for school and education. And leading hundreds of kids to Christ, setting up businesses, doing all this precious ministry. And then I had the privilege of being the best man, as you can see, at their wedding. And I remember Nick, so fast forward now, about 18 months after their wedding, Nick came knocking on my door, 10 o'clock at night. And he knocked on my door, and I said, oh, all right, Nick. And he said, yes, I'm sorry, it's late, Andy. I just had to come round because uh, Andrew's given birth to Nico, our second child. 
And I said, oh, amazing, mate, come in, that's fantastic. And he said, I just wanted to, to tell somebody, because I've been driving around the city so excited, because I know what it is to be a dad at last. When Alexis was born, I was such an idiot, I was high on drugs, I was in and out of the delivery suite, and I had all my gang mates with me there in the hospital. I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't care for the boy, for the girl, but now I know what it is to be a dad. And I thought, come on! You know, because Jesus doesn't just save people to be evangelists. He saves them to be great dads, doesn't he? He saves them to build community. And those two kids now being brought up in this precious Christian family and going after God themselves as little ones. Is there anything better than that? See, if you'd seen Nick, if you'd seen Nick when he was a gangster, drug dealer, violent criminal who was multiple suicide attempts, you'd have said, what a loser. What a waste of space. Jesus sees him and says, Prince in my kingdom. Great dad. Great ministry leader. Jesus sees him and says, Nick, you're like a rock. And everyone else is like, you're joking. I'll tell you about one more guy, this guy. This guy we met, he's called Mo Timbo, Mohammed Timbo, former Muslim. First time we met him was our, he came into a prison uh, Thorn Cross Prison, he did a long stretch for drug dealing, a heavy duty drug dealer and gangster in London. He came into one of the prisons we work in Manchester and he said to our team, I've done all this crazy stuff, but I have given my life to Christ. Once I got the prison sentence, I know I needed to do something. So you're like, okay, well, let's help you. Let's help your journey. Help him? We couldn't hold him back. You know, some people who are drug dealers and heavy drug users, they're just like up and down like yo-yos. This guy, Mo Timbo, just went on like a train. And believe it or not, while he was in prison, he led 600 offenders to Christ. He baptized dozens and dozens. Week after he came out of prison, he married his wife and they moved to Hull. This is like three years ago. And we're like, you're moving to Hull to plant a church, just you two. That's like scary, you know, and he connected into this denomination. But it seemed to me they didn't have a lot of support. So we tried to bring some support around him. I brought him into a little group that I'm mentoring and helping him and message, give him a bit of money, denomination. This guy's built this church in Hull to 300 now. And he's led thousands to Christ. And the church is full of alcoholics and ex-prostitutes and street people. And what a precious thing. If you'd seen Mo Timbo on the streets of London knifing people literally and being knifed you'd said what a loser what a waste of space lock him up throw away the key Jesus says potential I see potential if I can just get hold of that broken heart put it back together and put him on a road that will multiply it out you know part of the reason heaven, heaven gets excited when one person gets saved is because one person never truly gets saved do they the place at the center of ever expanding spheres of influence. And when Jesus says to Simon there, the second guy he called to follow him, come and join in this adventure. What a broken man, but wow, the potential. I mean, I can, I can relate to Peter in some ways. Because I know at my best, I'm a, a, a bit of a loud mouth, a bit impetuous, but I know I've got a heart for Jesus. I know I'm passionate for the things of the kingdom. I may make some mistakes like Peter, but, I, but the next guy, the next guy Jesus called was called Philip. Can't relate to him at all because he's kind of quiet. He's kind of shy. He often appears to be out of his depth in the Bible. He's more of a background guy. 
he's vital in the kingdom of God. He's the type of bloke who would be in this church at half nine this morning setting the chairs out. He'd be making the brews afterwards. He'd be cheering Aaron on behind the scenes. He'd be one of these guys who's there, you know, when you absolutely had it. You know, well, Pete, time and Peter's off there. Oh, I didn't even see the chairs. You know, he's one of those, he's one of those behind the scenes guys. We, we don't see much of him in, in, the, in the New Testament from this point on. But how much we need people like that, don't we? People who are just willing to do whatever it takes. Scares me sometimes being an a, upfront guy, you know, the CEO, the founder, the preacher, the mouthpiece of the message, all that. I get so many people. Scares me when, when people introduce me, oh, here he is, the man of God. And I love the fact that Aaron pulled out heroes. The real heroes of the, of the faith are the people who are willing to foster Iraqi kids who are broken and invite Nigerian kids into their families and, and give them a home and show them what kingdom really looks like. You understand what I'm saying? It's the kind of thing I think Philip might have been up to. Maybe there wasn't any big drama about it, but heaven knows all about it. I worry sometimes that I get a lot of my reward down here. But I want reward down here. Where I want reward where it counts. It lasts for all eternity, don't you? And a lot of that reward comes from the Philip type stuff, the behind the scenes, the serving, the cheering on, the stuff that people don't see, but Jesus sees. Final member of our fantastic force called Nathaniel. Seems to me that Nathaniel, reading the text, is a, is a religious guy. Probably one or two in church this morning. You know you are. You're a little bit stuck up, to be honest. I don't know any people in this church, so I can say this. You know, you, you're the kind of person who could say, Oh, could anything good come from Nazareth? Oh, Jesus is from Nazareth. Oh, dear. Uneducated. You know, Nazareth was a little more than a bunch of caves. Did you know that in Jesus' day? It was the northwest of the country. You know, most things come from the northwest, I've discovered. Most good things. It's a joke. Because Manchester's northwest. Perhaps you don't even know that. But he was like a little bit stuck up, a little bit of religion. He was like, he was like the Pharisees. You know the Pharisees when, when Jesus came to Jerusalem and said, Hey, up, lad, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone comes to me. You know, anyone can't come to a father but through me. And the Pharisees like, Oh, he's from Nazareth. He's never been to Bible college. And yet he was amazing. Don't you love it that that's Jesus? And Philip said, okay, Nathaniel, if you're not having where he's from, come and see him. Philip said, come and see. You know, three of the most beautiful words that can come out of our mouths are come and see. Now, don't come and see religion. Don't come and see weirdness. Just come and see Jesus. He's compelling. You know, the longer I've gone on and the more I've read this book, in some ways the more confused I've become. <laughs> you know, some of it I, I still don't understand. I've been a Christian for over 40 years now. Some bits of this book I, I, I find more confusing than ever. I'm, I've decided by faith I'm going to accept and believe it all. I'm not going to get me tipex out on the bits that I don't like. You know, I'm not going to get like cut out a few little, oh, I don't like that passage. Ooh. No, it's God's book. I totally believe it's God's book. And by faith I'm going to do everything I can to obey it all. But I still find it hard. Until I come to Jesus. 
And I come and see Jesus, the heart of it all, all the Old Testament building up towards Jesus' life and all the sacrificial system and all that stuff and all the New Testament looking back. In fact, all of history. Suddenly when I come and see Jesus, it all makes sense. Don't you think so? More I fall in love with Jesus, the more I want other people to know Jesus. The more I see Jesus do the things that only he can do. And it really is only Jesus who can change the human heart. It's all about Jesus. And so Philip went to see Jesus. Jesus had this word of knowledge. I saw you. I saw you under that tree, mate. I saw you even before you came here. And Nathaniel was like, oh, he's the son of God. Jesus is like, you're going to see a lot better things than this. You're one of my disciples now. You're one of my disciples. You've got this little glimpse. You've had this little prophetic word. Mate, we're going to see people raised from the dead. We're, we're going to see somebody die on a cross for the sins of the whole world. And then he's going to come back to life. And as a result, we're going to see a church built that's going to go on into history. How about that, Nathaniel? And Nathaniel's like, I'm in. I'm in. And he jumped in with both feet. He went from religion to relationship. Some people maybe in this church need to do that today. You've been trying to do it in your own strength, even though we're not like a, you know, Church of Scotland religious church. It's easy to be in a charismatic church and still be religious. You're still trying to do it your way. You're still trying to go through the motions. Jesus is calling you to something so much better than that, a relationship. A personal relationship. Some of you have known what that was like in the past. You've walked with Jesus. You've talked with Jesus. You've lived for Jesus. And it's gone a bit cold now. And you're slipping back into religion. Oh, I've got to do my Bible reading today. Oh, I've got to pray for so many minutes. Oh, I've got to do, do, do. It's not about doing stuff to get to Jesus. It's all been done on the cross. It's about living for him. Every waking hour of your day. We're all involved in this great adventure. When I was 17, I came back to Christ with a bang and felt like God gave me something of the heart of an evangelist. You know what? Evangelist is just somebody who loves to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. And if they can't tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, they like to tell people who do know Jesus to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. Basically, that's the job description. You know, I felt some of that from the moment. And I remember going to the Keswick Convention. And that was like the big gig for the youth group. I joined the youth group of the local church at 17. And there was like 5,000 of us all under the banner of all one in Christ Jesus. And I thought, I'm in heaven. And I met this old lady. She's called Olive Clark. 17 years old and I've just really come through to Christ with a banger. All I want to do is be evangelist. I was at the front in that meeting, you know, the, the, the missionary meeting. God, I'll go anywhere. Papua New Guinea, you name it, Bongo, Bongo Land, I'll go anywhere. You just name it, I'm here, I'm down the front, you know, you just name it, Jesus. I'm, I was so sold out and this old lady called Olive Clark said to me, are you Andrew? I said, yes I am. She said, I pray for you every week. I led your mother to the Lord. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You pray for me. She said, how's your brother doing, Michael? Oh, he's, he's a preacher. Yeah, he's doing great. Thanks a lot. Oh, marvelous. I pray for Michael every week. What about your brother, Simon? How's he doing? 
Oh, yeah, Simon led me to the Lord, actually. You know, he, he got involved in a lot of nonsense, drugs, and, and trouble with the police, but then he came through for Christ, and he's on fire now. Oh, isn't God wonderful? And then she said this to me. She said, oh, Andrew, you never give up. Never give up sharing the faith. Never give up praying for people. I prayed for my father until he was 86 years old before he gave his life to Christ. The stubborn old beggar. And I, I'm telling you, really, that's what I want to say this morning. I want to say, let's join in. Let's be followers. Let's be learners. That's all a disciple is, a learner. Let's, let's follow in Jesus' footsteps. Let's bring his life. Let's pray. Let's keep on praying. Let's not give up for Dunfermline. God hasn't forgotten of this town. He, he's ready. Let's be available. Let's keep going. Keep sharing. Let's get excited by the potential. I think Olive Clark's now with Jesus now, but I think when she walked through those gates into heaven, her chin hit the floor. Look at this. Look at this. Look at all Christine Hawthorne's family who've become Christians. Dozens of them serving all over the world. Look at all those other people who and I've played a part. I've just given and prayed and served. And really, is anything more important than that? Because the only thing you'll have to show for this life in a hundred years' time is people. People you've invested in. That's why it's so beautiful to partner with a church at the message that really is about mission. Birthed on that foundation, we're all about mission. We're all about going in Jesus' name. Yes, we want to know Jesus, but not so we can just have our little relationship with Jesus, but so we can make him known. And those 12 led to 3,000, led to multiple millions, led to billions coming to know Jesus because they rooted themselves in Jesus through it all. They were willing to spread it over the world. And God's calling today for disciples. He's calling for some Christians to say, I'm in. I'm thoroughly in. Whatever it takes. I'm involved in a fresh way in the mission of God. I'm not going to give up on my family members. I'm going to start praying for him with fresh urgency. I'm not going to stop gossiping the gospel. Maybe I won't get the big platform. I'm just going to tell as many people as possible about the gospel and have faith to believe that salvation is going to spring up. Because the gospel's non lost none of its power. We've just lost our confidence. And God's looking for some people who have fresh confidence in this beautiful gospel. So I want to pray now. And I want to invite, I'm going to do a little thing for both those people, for, for people who feel like you've lost a bit of confidence and you, you want like a fresh urgency, a fresh passion. But before that, I want to invite people who, who aren't Christians. I don't know who's here today. I mean, there's a chance there's nobody here who's not a Christian. You know, I've been in meetings where Jesus couldn't get anyone saved. You know, we're all in. And, and look, in some ways that's okay, but in other ways it's not okay, is it? Because we ought to be doing the Andrew thing every Sunday morning, shouldn't we? We ought to be inviting people in and maybe, maybe that'll happen a bit more next week just because we've been together and been stirred up by this thing. But if you're, if you're not a Christian and you want to be a Christian or if you've fallen right away from Jesus and you don't even know if you're a Christian anymore, I'd just love you without any weirdness. I'd love to give you a response to give your life to Christ this morning. And the church has a little pack which they'd love to give you and you can pick it up at the back on the way out a little pack of booklets and information about what's going on at this church so you can really get rooted in again. But I'd also like to give you an extra little bonus. We've produced this Bible at The Message. 
Now, we haven't produced the Bible. Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. <laughs> but we've put some introductory notes in the front and some little tabs to help you find your way around the Bible. It's a beautiful thing. We gave away 10,000 of those last year to brand new Christians who gave their life to Christ in, in different settings. We're actually believing we're going to give away 200,000. We're praying for 200,000 decisions. We might not get there, but we're going to have a right good go. But if you give your life to Christ this morning, I'd just love to give you this. You know, I don't know what you think about our queen. I think she's ace. But uh, when she, uh, her coronation, Queen Elizabeth II, she was handed a Bible, a silver Bible. Do you know that? By the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he knelt down in the middle of the service. And he knelt down and he said, Your Majesty, here it is, the most precious thing this life affords, the lively oracles of God. And you know what? I believe that with my whole heart. I believe this book, the Bible, is the most precious thing in the world because I believe it's the living word of God. And any life and any nation, any community that's built on the word of God will thrive. The more we ignore the word of God, the more we perish in so many ways. The more we keep the word of God and the beautiful principles in this book central to our lives, the more we flourish. So I just take great joy and delight in giving away this book whenever I can, especially to people who've made a commitment to Christ. Of course, if your name's Queen Elizabeth, you've got a few things, haven't you? Whoa. You know, you've got the odd country estate, haven't you? One or two nice ones up here. You've got a few Bentleys. You know, you've got your own train. That's not bad, is it? You've got a nice diamond collection. But the most valuable thing Queen Elizabeth owns is this book. More valuable than all that put together. The Word of God. Build your life on this and you'll succeed. And some of you know that's true. I've not been building my life on this book. And on the Jesus who's at the centre of the book. The living Word. So I'll just pray. Lord Jesus, I pray at the end of this service. You are here. We know you're here. But you'll be very present. And I pray you'll just challenge and convict people who need to give their lives to you this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray in this church this morning, salvation will spring up. Fresh new commitment will spring up. God, I pray for a move of your spirit starting here and spreading out across Dunfermline for your glory. Amen. Don't want to do anything weird and embarrassing, but I think it'd be good for you. If that's you, if you're just, is we're in this kind of atmosphere of prayer, is that all right? I just think if that's you, and you know you need to give your life to Christ this morning. I'm not going to make you stand up, come down the front. You can go and get the pack and go and get the Bible at the end. But I do think it'd be good for you to raise your hand and just say, I'm in. This is my morning. So if you're not a Christian this morning, you want to be a Christian, or you've fallen so far away that you don't even know if you're a Christian anymore, would you just raise your hand? Not to me, that's it. Beautiful. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? It's worth coming all the way from Manchester for one lady who gives her life to Christ, but maybe there's more people. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Lovely. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else needs to? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hands popping up, just saying, yes, I'm in. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Fantastic. Just going to leave it one more. There's three people just raised their hand and said yes to Jesus. But you don't become a Christian by raising your hand, but it's just good to raise your hand. God, here I am. Don't forget me, and he won't.
Anyone who comes to me. Anyone who comes to me. There's no way I'll turn him away, says Jesus. So he accepts you. But just one more moment before I pray a thorough prayer of blessing. And you go to the back at the end of this service and collect one of these packs that will really help you and tell you about how to get rooted in Vine Church and also one of these Bibles. Is there anybody else? Anybody else want to join in this party in heaven? Because people are being placed at the centre of ever-expanding spheres of influence. Can you feel any excitement about that, people? Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for a thorough, you can put your hands down, brilliant, a thorough blessing for your best on these people. God, I pray that this sign of raising their hand on this Sunday morning is saying, Jesus, here I am. I turn away from my sins. I make you Lord. I live for you. I pray you'll present these people at the center of ever-expanding spheres of influence. I pray their families will be blessed. Their communities will be blessed. I pray they'll do amazing things for you, whether it's just one-on-one or on a platform, whatever you've got for them, God. I pray you'll thrust these people into your purposes, all for your glory. Amen? Just one more. Amen. Please come and see. There'll be a bunch of people hanging around about. Make sure you see them before you leave church. Can I just say one more thing I want to do? I think we might be singing the last song. Aaron, is it? Whatever. Well, I'll back to Aaron in a minute. He'll tell you what we're going to do. But I just think for those of us that are Christians, and maybe God might just want us to stand this morning and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, I'm willing to go. From now on, I'm going to think differently about my finances, about my time. I, this week, I'm willing to speak to anybody you bring along my path. So that's, that's quite a high bar. Please don't stand because others stand. But you might be like, thoroughly, that is where my heart is at. And I want to be that person. And I make myself available to God in this area. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to serve because I want you to be made known, Jesus. And that will be my priority from here on in. And there's a line in the sand at the start of 2018 to say, here I am, God. Will you just fill me so if that's you will you stand right now because I want to pray God's blessing and anointing on you in a special way don't stand because others are standing stand because you know you need to make this stand this morning I thank you Jesus for brothers and sisters standing in this church saying I'm in thank you for people who have committed their life to you this morning standing and saying I'm in I pray Lord fill them with your spirit fill them to overflowing I pray rivers of living water will flow out I pray this will be a fresh start for this church and even for your work in this area we pray all for your glory send us Lord here I am send me I pray today I'll have conversations about you that's what I want to do Lord I pray these people in this church every one of them will have the privilege of seeing their family their friends their colleagues at work come to know you and you'll use them in that great adventure in a hundred years time I pray these people stood in this church will have been used to reach multiple thousands for you. All for your glory, Jesus. All for you, Lord. And for the sake of your lost world, Jesus, who needs to come back to you, we pray, Jesus, you'll use us. Come on, let's all stand and give the Lord a round of applause. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.